What's the judgment of
Right, let's move on to Foundation 5. We've looked at the three coming ages in Foundation 4. Foundation 5 is a quick overview on worldviews. I've got three points here. If you have your book, if you have your, sorry, your book, <laughs> your PDF, which you can download, um, you'll be looking at slide number 18, slide number 19, and slide number 20. Please excuse the crudeness of the graphics. Uh, I'm not very competent in that kind of computer work. Now, slide number 18 deals with the Western Greek worldview. It goes from, in a straight line, we think in a straight line from an alpha point to omega point. It starts here, it finishes there. So alpha point 
to the eschaton, to the parousia, to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very, very simple way of looking at the world. The Eastern or Oriental worldview from slide number 19 is circular. A circular view of history, like the four seasons, light to dark, dark to light. Epitomizes or shows you reincarnation, which is primary to their worldview. You find that in the snake and the wheel, humanism, shamanism. I mean, in the ancient Canaanite religions, you had Baal would um, die and rise again in spring every year. And then the final one, which is slide number 20, which is the biblical worldview that comes from the ancient Hebrews, and also it comes from the writers of the Jewish New Testament. This is how they viewed the world view. It's neither east nor west. Just like a western worldview, you would have an alpha point and an omega point. Culmination of the eschaton, the prusia, the return of the, G- of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, instead of a linear, straight linear view like the Greeks or the West, it is circular, it is cyclical. So things repeat on themselves. History repeats itself all the time. So when they are reading the Bible or when they are reading history, they will see many antichrists. And for them, each antichrist will give them a picture and build a story, a narrative of what the final one is going to be like. So when they looked at the two Herods, they saw an antichrist. When they looked at the emperors of Rome, they saw antichrists. Modern history, Napoleon, Stalin, Hitler were all antichrists. These give us a picture of what the final one will be like, and then you can just times it exponentially to how bad that one is going to be. So there were many Babylonian empires. Daniel chapter 2, the vision of, of, of the statue. Many empires through history that represented the Babylonian system. Each one giving a picture of what the final one is going to be like. There have been many rescues of the remnant. Each rescue, each remnant will give you a picture of what it's going to look like when the prophecies of the last days get fulfilled. So you go from an alpha point to an omega point in a linear progression but not a straight line. As you get closer to the end point, what will begin to take place is the intensity of the cycles get bigger and they get closer and closer together. Now, let's move on to foundation six. As we get closer to the omega point, things are going to speed up radically. And I got this teaching from Jacob Presh, and I thought it was a brilliant teaching. I really, I really love it. And I'm going to try and express it to you here. Now, in, on slide 21, you will see two arrows, starting from Abraham on the top arrow to Jesus, 2,000 years. And at the end, there's a 35-year demarcation within the 2,000 years. The next arrow down is the first coming, between the first coming and the second coming, roughly 2015 years, 2015 years plus minus. Now, relating to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were many hundreds of prophecies relating to when he would come for the first time. Now, try and wrap your head around this. Most of those prophecies were fulfilled in that last 35 year period. 
God was preparing Israel for the first coming of Jesus. And he's been preparing us, the church, virtually the same amount of time for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now when we look back to the book of Acts and look at all that's happened, it's very similar to when the Jews look back to Abraham in the book of Genesis. Similar time frames. Now, out of the 2,000 year period between Abraham and Jesus, most of what the prophets said about the first coming of Jesus was fulfilled in a time frame of 35 years. Think about that. In less than one generation. Move to slide 22, please. Now, I've tried to put two little red arrows there from the 35-year period on the top arrow to the second arrow, which now, the second arrow is now the 35-year period of time. Now, most of the prophecies in that 35-year period of time were actually only fulfilled in the last four years. Okay? Most of the 35-year, most of the prophecies in the 35-year period of time were fulfilled in the last four years. Most of the prophecies in that last four-year period of time were fulfilled in six and a half days. Now, try and wrap your head around that in less than one week. So, the, so by far the vast percentage of all the hundreds of prophecies that were given relating to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ over a 2,000 year period were fulfilled in less than one week, six and a half days. What you've got to understand by this is the closer you get to the target, to the omega point, to the return of Jesus, the quicker things are going to happen and the more prophecies are going to be fulfilled. So you might get a prophecy being fulfilled year one and then you might get another one fulfilled year 40. But as we get closer to the Omega point, they're going to start getting fulfilled in such rapid progression that it's going to blow our minds. So to try and calculate these dates using maths or whatever, taking into account the speeding up factor, taking into account the various variables of secret things and revealed things, taking into account the secular fulfillment of prophecy from a Hebraic first century church point of view is going to be extremely difficult. The only time you can really start putting chronological dates in place is at the seven-year mark, the beginning of the seven-year mark by the signing of the peace treaty, and especially in the middle by the abomination of desolation. Certain things have to happen before Jesus comes the second time. Many of them have happened, and many of them are continuing to happen as we speak. Israel was born as a modern nation in 1948. They got Jerusalem back in 1968. Since then, a lot of Jews are becoming Christians since Israel was united with them from the 60s. But what we've also seen is we've seen the nations of the world beginning to turn increasingly hostile towards Israel, which is God's timepiece for the nations. There is one nation 
whose record in the Middle East for human rights is virtually exemplary, and that is Israel. And yet it is the one nation that continually gets picked on and condemned by the United Nations, especially by the United Nations Human Rights Council. The sick joke of the Human Rights Council is full of all these countries that are Islamic around Israel whose human rights records are atrocious to say the least. Saudi Arabia being the, the head of the Human Rights Council. It's a joke. I mean, even certain people in the churches and certain churches and denominations are turning against Israel. Why is this? Well, what does the scriptures say? You know, the nations are going to start to turn against Jerusalem to try and prevent the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to look at how quickly things are starting to happen. Let me give you an example now. Over a 10 year period. Think about the Jews on Kristallnacht in Germany and in Europe around 1938. So between 1938, now remember patterns, eh? just remember patterns. Between 1938 to 1945, they went through the Holocaust. Over 6 million Jews were murdered. Between 1938 and 1948... They had a nation in the Middle East, in their own land, the land that was given to them by God to their forefathers, in 10 years. Now that is a pattern that you can take and apply to the end times with the Antichrist and the Battle of Armageddon and the war, war in that seven year period. How, how, how they're going to be really hard pressed, attacked. And Jesus is going to rescue them and then the Messianic Jews will reign with Jesus from Jerusalem and Israel for a, for a millennia for the, you know, as he sets up his kingdom. So do you see how these patterns repeat themselves? Look at how quickly the European Union is declining financially, socially, morally. Before our very eyes, it's just disintegrating. The current wave of immigration, so-called immigration refugees from the Middle East, very suspicious. Look at how quickly the United States and other Western democratic nations are morally unraveling before our very eyes. Where there, where there is a, a deliberate, intentional rise in racism, what does the Bible say? Ethnos against ethnos. In the last days. Now you look at the church. When I came into ministry just over 25 years ago, if you had told me that there would be a gay married pastor leading churches, being ordained as ministers in churches in, in, in mainline denominations, I would never have believed you. Just recently I saw in the newspaper one of the mainline reformed churches in South Africa, the Dutch Reformed Church, by a 60% majority vote, accepted the ordination of gay, practicing gay pastors. I would not ever have believed that growing up. If you had told me that I would see pastors praying for Planned Parenthood abortion centers, standing outside these Planned Parenthood abortion centers and praying for them 
these centers which are centers where the children are murdered and eugenics is practiced, I would never have believed you. I would not have believed you. I cannot believe the level of deception and apostasy across the mainline evangelical denominations now with all what's going on with the emergent church movement. I would not have believed you if you told me that was going to happen. I would have not have believed you if you had told me what was going to take place in the Pentecostal charismatic churches with, with what is taking place with the money preachers and, 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 and this false prophetic stuff that's going on. False apostolic stuff that's going on. You can download my Deception in the Church series for free off iTunes. Get to our webpage and get the links through. All of this has taken place in less than one generation. I would never have thought it possible when I was ordained into the ministry in 1988. The closer you get to the Omega point, the faster you're going to be going. Remember that. Things are speeding up. And most of the church is asleep and they're going to be caught out by the speed of things to come. I've spoken about the parable of the ten virgins. In Matthew chapter 25 verse 1 to 6 and verse 13. Go and read it again. Remember... When the bridegroom went, all, the, all of the virgins, all the ten, the wise and the foolish, they all became drowsy and they all fell asleep. And verse 13 tells us, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or hour. How prepared are you? How are you going to minister in the days ahead, if we are going into that transition period into the seven years, how are you going to minister in the transition period and going into the seven year period, the first three and a half years and the second three and a half years? How are you going to function? How are you going to live? These are things you need to be considering. These are things you need to be meditating upon. Knowledge of understanding of and wisdom to apply let me recap the six foundations we've dealt with so far in these last three sermons foundation one we looked at religious people and what you need to do and how you need to handle religious people and that is 2 Timothy chapter 3 foundation two we spoke about the people that you're likely to meet through the three ages and that was out of Matthew 24 and 25 and then today we looked at the Foundation 3, the seven reasons, Derek Prince's seven reasons to be a student of biblical prophecy. Foundation 4, the coming three ages until the return of Jesus Christ. Foundation 5, worldviews. And now we've just finished with how things are going to speed up and how the revelation of prophecy speeds up. Next week, we'll be looking at the subject of persecution and so for homework what I would like you to do is to read, meditate and study the seven letters to the churches from Revelation chapter 2 and 3. So basically you can read and study and meditate on Revelations chapters 1 to 3. Thank you. God bless. And promote giving up this land for peace. 
Unfortunately, that's what's going to happen and that's going to trigger the seven years. A peace deal, giving up land for peace, I suspect will take place between Israel and the United Nations, led by the false prophet. And a seven-year treaty will be signed for peace. That's following, I believe, the Psalm 83, Isaiah 17, and there's a scripture in Jeremiah of, of Elam, the prophecy of Elam, that war. Don't be a Jew and promote giving up this land for peace. Number two, don't be a Gentile and demand the Jews give up this land for peace. So the second charge against the nations is that they've divided up his land. Notice that the nations will be judged for dividing up the land. Now in today's terms, dividing up the land of Israel is called partition. Land for peace. It doesn't matter who does it. It doesn't matter your motive. It doesn't matter what your intention is. It doesn't matter for the fact that you want global peace. It really doesn't matter. That land belongs to God. God gave it to the Jews in an everlasting covenant. By you dividing it, no matter what your motive, you become a goat or a goat nation. For example, Britain has had a very, very checkered history with regard to the Jews for quite some time. Now, from the League of Nations time, they were, they were given, uh, the, the name of it has just slipped me, but they were given governorship over the land of Israel, which they then began suddenly to call Palestine. Um, I'm, I'm, my dates and timing for this is pretty wrong because there's no such nation as Palestinians and there's no such land as the Palestinian land. But during that period of time, Britain then, under their rulership of that land by United Nations Charter, partitioned the land, creating Transjordan, which they cut 70% of the land of Israel off from Israel. And since that day, even up until 1948, they have been trying to prevent Israel from being reconstituted as a nation. Now, whether this is coincidental or whether it is a result of this kind of judgment taking place, the British Empire fell apart without a war being fought after that date. Interesting. A nation that had never really lost a war since the American War of Independence. Suddenly, their whole empire, worldwide empire, is gone. And they'd just come out of being successful in a world war. So Jesus comes and he, be, and he sets up his throne, his judgment throne, and he begins to judge the Gentile nations, not the Jews, not the church. He begins to judge the Gentile nations. And the judgment is on the basis of how they treated the Jews, the brothers and sisters of Jesus, and how they divided up his land. Now you've got to remember something, and this is going to make every anti-Semite turn in their grave and spit towards heaven. And it's going to make the Muslims go even more uh, peaceful. And that is really sarcasm at its highest. Jesus, 
himself is a Jew. He's not this blonde, blue-eyed, white Messiah walking around with a glow coming off his head. He's Middle Eastern born. He is a Jew. Now remember his title. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah is where the name Jew comes from. Now think about this. Jesus did not only identify with the Jews for 33 years while he was on earth. He identifies them with them for eternity. A Jew is not only the king of the Jews, but he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all creation. Now do you begin to understand the root hatred of anti-Semitism? Ultimately, it's a hatred of Jesus. It's a hatred of God. It's, a, it's an attempt to wipe out any trace of God on this planet. So when he comes back, there will be nothing left for him to come back to. That's their goal. And anti-Semitism is one of those avenues in which they're trying to perpetuate that goal. When you start to see anti-Semitism rising to fever pitch amongst the nations, you better take care, you better look up, things are going to start to happen. Pay attention to your personal opinions and reactions with regards to the Jewish nation in Israel. And through whatever means you possibly can, if you have the ability to vote, if you're in a country that has the ability to vote, listening to this podcast, pay attention to what your politician, local politicians say and support. And vote for those that are actually in support of the nation of Israel. As anti-Semitism rises, and I believe God is going to permit it, and it's going to get worse, what God is doing is He is causing His people the Jews, to return to their homeland, Israel. Now, that's important for you to understand. The only place on earth the Jew is permitted to live is actually in the land of Israel. And it's the one place that the devil wants to wipe out any trace of Jews. And he has forever been trying to occupy the land. At the time of Joshua... Prior to Joshua's invasion, he put in nations of giants there to keep the Jews out. You look at the stories of David with, with, with the invasions around David's time. There were a couple of giants sprinkled there as well. And today you have a so-called Palestinian nation, but there is no such thing as a Palestinian nation. And they are trying to occupy the place. They are trying to say, hey, this is our place. The Al-Aqsa Mosque. No, it's been there forever. No, it hasn't. That's an abomination of desolation because the Muslims don't believe that God has a son. Anybody that say, The Bible says anybody that does not acknowledge that God has a son is an antichrist. Antichrist religion right there, sitting on the Dome of the Rosk, sitting on the Temple Mount, right where Jesus is going to come back. Anyway, let me not get sidetracked. We'll discuss all those topics later on. What happens to the goat nations? Matthew twenty-five forty-one. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Remember, the, the, I think it's the promise to Abraham, whoever blesses you will be blessed, whoever curses you will be cursed. It's interesting that the, the tiny nation of Israel you know, has produced an over and an abundance of technology and stuff that has blessed our lifestyle that we use today. And yet, you look at what the nations of the earth are trying to do to Israel. Very interesting. So what was their crime? They did not show mercy. I'd always thought, now this is a personal opinion, alright? It's just a thought, it's not something that is set in stone for me. But I'd always thought that the Antichrist, together with the false prophet at the return of Jesus, on his judging them, they will be the ones, first people that will be thrown into the lake of fire, and they will be there in the lake of fire for a thousand years before the second resurrection of the dead at the white throne judgment seat of the Lord. And then at the white throne judgment seat, the dead who died without Christ will be raised up from wherever they've been placed. They will get judged according to the books and the book of life. And their names will not be in the Lamb's book of life. And they will be thrown into the lake of fire with the devil and his angels. But it would seem from this passage that the goat nations will join the false prophet and the Antichrist in the lake of fire. Prior to that event, I am not sure if what I'm going to say is correct. I'm just this is just my thinking, but I'm thinking that the goat nations will join the false prophet and the antichrist before the thousand years, before the thousand years before the white throne judgment. Now I'm not sure if it's the whole nation. I'm not sure if it's just the leaders of the nation. I'm not sure if it's just the leaders and those who were practicing anti-Semites within the nation who aggravated and allowed the leaders to do this. I'm, I don't know. That, that, it's not mine to judge. That's the judge who will judge that. But what a frightening beginning of their eternal life. Here is a punishment that has not been made for human beings. The lake of fire is a place that hasn't been created for us. We do not have to go there. Satan and his angels do not have a choice. The rebellious angels, the angels that turn against God, they don't have a choice. They know that when Jesus returns, they're gone. When the white throne judgment takes place, they're gone. But human beings have a choice and the only reason for them to be in the lake of fire is because they've made the wrong choice to the others Jesus says in verse 34 come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world now the issue here was who is going to be admitted to the kingdom and who wasn't and this is the kingdom of Jesus on the earth this is the millennium reign the nations who passed the test and the people who survived to the end and met the Lord Jesus in his return, these nations who passed the test, who are not part of the church, they will be admitted into the millennium reign. That's my understanding. Right, let's wrap up the sermon. 
Last week we looked at religious people, 2 Timothy chapter 3. In this sermon we've looked at four types of people. We've looked at leaders, two types of leaders, and the one type of leaders, wolves and hirelings, stay away from them, identify them, and stay away from them. The second group of people, we looked at ten virgins, and we need to put into our head, we cannot give to those who are morally deficient within the church what we have personally received from Jesus Christ. We can't give them our gold, we can't give them our clothes, and we can't give them our eyes solved. They have to go to Jesus and get it for themselves personally. Stay away from them, especially as we go into this first part of the three and a half years. That is the group, I think, part of the group that will betray you, together with the two Timothy three people and together with the wolves and hirelings. The servants and the talents... Stay away from lazy people. They will drag you down and they will get you into trouble. You are going to answer for your conduct to the Lord. So stay away from these people. All right? Stay away from people who do not want Jesus to be king. And finally, stay away from anti-Semites. Stay away from politicians who are known to be anti-Israel. Just stay away from these people. They are cursed. The Bible says so. Thank you. God bless.